The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken, sitting next to Ethan. Baroga, good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. How's it going? It's going okay. Good, good. And uh, we also have uh, our crack engineer, Simon, and our uh, assistant, uh, Julia, in the studio here today. Good to see you guys. Um, this show is designed to share with you prudent investment and financial planning techniques to help you make smarter financial decisions. Ethan and I generally have a conversation about various investment or financial planning-related topics Hopefully, you will gain some insight and make uh, better decisions or utilize some of the information to make better financial decisions. And uh, Ethan, we're just going to discuss a few things that you've been looking over with estate planning rules that have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a question at one of our presentations recently about placing real estate in an IRA account, and one of the guys forwarded me an article, and I thought I'd kind of peruse through that, and we could talk a little bit about that. Sounds good. And uh, maybe hit a few other topics. Before we do all that, though, do you want to give out any contact information or tell everyone what we're doing here? And sure, I can do that. You know, what you're collecting a check for? Because <laughs> I'd like to know. I can get out, give out some of that information anyway. I'm not sure about all, all those things. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, as usual, if you'd like to join the show, uh, this is a, I guess it is a live broadcast today, right? Yeah, high yeah. atop the uh, Empirical Towers. Beautiful downtown Seattle. I'm so ready Yes, I'm impressed as well. Uh, you can reach us via email at contact at empiradio.com or via phone at 866-472-5790. And, uh, you know, if you're an individual investor out there, perhaps you're looking for a second opinion in your portfolio or perhaps you're getting ready uh, for retirement and want to have a general, you know, retirement check-in, we would love to get together with you. Um, if you'd like to reach us and set up an appointment, uh, you can give us a call directly here at uh, 206-923-3474 off the air. And uh, feel free to ask for Ken or Ethan, and we'll be happy to get together and go over these things with you. Sounds good, Ethan. And just uh, last week since our last program, the, it's been kind of a mixed bag in the markets. The Dow is up about uh, two-tenths of a percent over last week, but the S&P is down about six-tenths of a percent since last week. Hmm. And uh, a few of the other uh, broader indexes we track, like small cap, uh, small company growth, small company value, are both down over 2% for the week. Mm-hmm. But on the year-to-date basis, if we look um, at the Dow Jones, is up 11.46% year-to-date. Wow. Um, 
It's not too bad. That's a pretty good S&P, quarter. S&P uh, 500 index is up 9.38% year to date. That's also pretty good. Not too shabby. Uh, large company growth up 8.66. Large value 11.25. Uh, small cap growth 10%, Ethan. Hey, hang on a second. Oh, hold the phone. This is just for a quarter. Three months of the year. That's right. That's amazing. Yeah. I know you were taking out a lot of heavy uh, loans and mortgaging your house to buy <laughs> futures contracts on the <laughs> equity markets in early January, and I think that was a good move. That's not true. Uh, okay. I wasn't doing that. Well, we don't recommend doing I that. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, anyways, those are a few. The, the international markets are kind of a mixed situation there where they're not doing quite as well. Um, emerging markets actually down six per, close six percent year to date, mm-hmm. and uh, while the world stock index is up about five point three percent, that's pretty good too. Um, so it's kind of an average. The U.S. doing a little bit better than they say the IFA index was up about three point eight three for the year year to date. Interest rates are still relatively low, Ethan. Not much happening as I'm skimming across all the different rates here. Um, you know, thirty-year thirty-year uh, um, mortgages at three point six eight. Last week, the average was three point six seven. So, not much different there. Mm-hmm. So, if you're looking to buy a home and borrow money, it's still a reasonably good time from an interest rate perspective. No doubt about it. But uh, that's a very personal and uh, and delicate decision, Ethan. True. Um, so, overall, treasuries. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, uh, you got Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I'm Ed McMahon in this case, so yes, true. Yes. That's, what I, that's what I get to say a lot of. Gotcha. Yeah. The uh, break-even rate um, on the Treasury's five-year and 10, I, I like to cover that. So the, the break-even rate on inflation would have to be uh, 2.13 over the next five years or 2.46 over the next 10 for hmm. uh, the inflation-protected Treasuries to equal a return of the nominal or non-inflation inflation protected treasuries. So that gives you an idea what the market's kind of thinking about inflation. Yeah, it's the is that the implied inflation rate? That is the implied inflation rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold, by the way, I didn't hit that, but year to date gold is down seven point two five percent. Oh. Um, and crude oil down close to four percent. So. Wow. Just wanted to get that out in the open, Ethan. Well, that's important that you did. cover that. I appreciate that. Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk about uh, some stuff. I think we should. Okay. What do you got? Well, do you want to start with uh, the uh, the IRA and real estate situation, or should we talk about estate planning a little bit? Hmm. Both are exciting. I'm torn. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat here. Well, what would you like to start with? I'll start with the stuff, then. Okay. The estate planning stuff. And so, uh, you know, they, they changed the rules here. Toward the end of last year, we went on over the fiscal cliff, if you recall, and uh, a day or two later, they circled back around and made some changes uh, with a bunch of stuff, including tax laws, but one of them uh, was specifically estate tax laws. All right. What's going on with that? And so uh, what they did was um, they a couple of things. So they made the federal estate exemption. Now, you may not be aware of this, so this may be new information for you. All right. I'm bracing myself. The federal exemption now is $5,250,000 per person. So as of in 2013, that's how much that you can give away at death 
without paying any state tax, at least federal state tax. Um, and so that's per person, and also it's indexed for inflation annually. So it was made permanent, which is kind of a neat thing. Um, if they had done nothing, it would have reverted back to the rules as of, I think it was 2000 or 2001, um, which meant that the state tax exemption would only be $1 million. So that's kind of a neat change. A breakaway uh, Russian Republic for Pakistan is bad. So um, <laughs> it's uh, five, how, how much is that? Five million, 250,000 per person. Per person. So okay. if you're married, obviously that's 10 million, 500,000. But here's the, the other unique thing about it is that um, <clears throat> you, I love this, this clip. This is a great $10. clip. Mm-hmm. Ten billion dollars. <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> uh, here's what's great about it: it's portable. So that's a new term t- to all of us. Uh, in the old days, you know, thinking back prior to this, uh, this new the new tax law for state tax purposes, in order for each person to use their exemption, um, you had to set up these special AB trusts, which basically, if uh, if you're married, you would have uh, an first spouse to, to die. Uh, assets would pour into this. Uh, this trust, uh, in other words, it would not go directly to the beneficiary. It'd go to them in trust so that they can use, the, the deceased person can use their federal exemption amount. And in other words, all it, right. it didn't get lost if all assets went to the surviving spouse. Lost in the shuffle. So right now, if you're married, you have a joint exemption of $10,500,000. And it's automatic. So if you're married, you just have the, the, the bulk of that together. Now, are you saying the government has to offer tax incentives to get people to get married even? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Doesn't seem right. Uh, I'm not sure that's what I'm saying. Okay. You're, just now, you're currently twisting my words. <laughs> <laughs> no. But that's something that's really uh, unique and new. They, they've done this over in, in, in the UK for quite some time where I had this idea of portability. Right. Um, and it's very – it's a good idea, right? It make, why should you have to file – go through the process of setting up family trust, AB trust, to take advantage of your each person's exemption? Right. Well, by by having the law uh, that it's portable, um, in other words, the the economic unit of you and, and your spouse get the full exemption, regardless of whether or not you have the A and B trust situation. So, real quick, Ethan, um, which is which is fair. I think I'll, I'll, I, I I do think that's fair as well, and that's good information to know. So, for our listeners out there, they might be thinking, well, how do I even know where I'm at and all that? What 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 is included in those numbers? And you don't have to get too extremely detailed, but if I was worried about it, uh-huh. uh, or wondering if I should be worried about it, what what are the basic elements of what goes into that numbers? If I have a property that's worth a million dollars and I owe half a million dollars, uh, how does that all work in terms of a state tax? Yeah, anything you own, uh, whether it be real estate or assets in, a, in an IRA account or a taxable account or assets, period. If it's in your name, you own it, and you own it to death, it's in your state. It's in your taxable estate. Okay. So basically, anything you have that you own um, would be included in the, in the taxable estate. And so did the debt, as in my example, gets deducted out of that value? No. No? No. You sure? Pretty sure. So if I have a, a, a $10 million property and I owe, I have a loan for $9 million, I'm still going to pay tax on, um, or would be included in my estate would be the $10 million value, not $1 million of equity that I have on it? I'm pretty sure. Hmm. I think we're going to have to do a fact check on that one. Guess we will. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, though. I'm pretty sure the process goes um, that you can deduct out the debt that you owe All right. through that. But I thought you knew, so I will, we'll, 
we'll, we'll check. Up. It's been a while since I've <laughs> looked at that exactly. So okay, um, you know, uh, uh, other I, things I like I, I was kind of seeing if you would get, get get to or whatever would be um, insurance policies. How does because somebody might think, well, I don't have that much in a, in, in assets. Um, but if they had insurance policy, would that potentially put someone? If it's five million dollars, right? Right. And you had four million uh, five hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, assets, mm-hmm. and we'll just we'll determine here during the break whether that's net of the uh, the liabilities or if you how that works out. But then you had an additional, say, two or three million dollars of life insurance. Where would that put you in terms of the estate tax? Yeah, it depends. Um, depends how the life insurance is titled, right? Okay. So if it's titled in your name, you're the owner of it, uh, or your spouse is, then it would be included in the in, in the estate. If it's outside of, uh, if it's in a, uh, a an insurance trust, for example, where you don't have ownership interest in it when you die, then you, then it's outside of your estate. So it is important to set those things up properly, in to begin with, right? Okay. To have those uh, titled correctly to ensure that the the proper implications are are known when you're. Um, Purchasing life insurance. So, you know, I'm thinking back to my time, and uh, I'm not an estate planner by by by, by trade. I'm somewhat familiar with. You the just do that on the side. Uh, no, I don't. I don't draw up estate documents. Uh, but um, I'm thinking back now to my the CFP uh, curriculum, and it's been some time since I reviewed the the calculation for the estate, what's included right, in those estate, right. and I am having flashbacks of having the. The, the debt subtracted out of that. Right. So um, I think that's what is. We'll, we'll, we will check when we take a quick break. That way we can be 100% <laughs> All sure. Right. But the main point what I was trying to get to with this was is that most people uh, in, in the 90s and in the, the 2000s um, all had to set up these family trusts in which the first spouse to die, uh, in order to use their personal exemption, they had assets poured into this, this spousal trust, basically, to make sure it got used so it wasn't didn't get... Uh, um, uh, eliminated with a second spouse to die, so you had basically to use it. You had to had have to have the AB trust situation. Oh, okay. To use it, that's the deal. So now you don't really have to have the AB trust anymore for that for that reason anyway. Um, so it's interesting. It's so that doesn't devalue the um, reduce the value of proper estate planning. No, not at all. I don't want anyone to take that the wrong way. No, and because there's other things that it does do well for you. I mean, in terms of having those trusts set up, and maybe we can talk about that. When we come back from the break. Okay, then we have to take a quick break. We'll come back, uh, finish our conversation about the state tax situation, and then uh, progress from there. We'll be right back. All right. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. 
Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Your host, uh, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith here. Just talking about uh, some of the latest changes to the estate tax laws, um, in particular the, the federal exemption amounts and how that applies to couples in this case. And uh, Ken, where would you like to start off this section of the show? Well, let's clarify, like we promised, on that estate tax calculation right. that it is you take all your assets and you total them up and then had uh, encumbrances or liabilities, you would deduct those to get to your estate. And it gets very complicated, but in, in a basic, for in layman's terms, like you and I can understand, um, it's a function of adding up everything you own. Then the insurance question I was bringing up would just be that I think a lot of times it'd be easy to not think about that as part of your estate since it's something that it's not an asset, if it, especially if it was a term, unless it was a whole life policy that had a cash value to it. But if it was a term policy that really only pays when one of the parties passes away, mm-hmm. you may not add that up as an asset, right? But if it was left to your spouse... Um, and in this case, you're saying that the couple has $10 million of, of, uh, of, a, of exclusion, a, exclusion. Uh-huh. federal tax exclusion. That if that put you at a much larger value, say spouse number one passed away in the, and there was a $20 million insurance policy that went to spouse number two, I think that's what you're saying, depending on who the beneficiaries of these are, how they're structured. But if it was simply that, um, that would be a situation where just that policy alone would would create an estate that's larger, yeah. than the exclusions would be. Correct. Yeah. Okay. If I own the if I'm if I'm I'm the deceased and I own the policy it was in my name and the beneficiary was my wife, it would be in my taxable estate. Now in this case, obviously you'd use the you probably would end up using not just the exemption amount, the five million dollars that I can give away tax free, um, but also you have the ability to do the marital unlimited marital deduction, right? So the wife would inherit it. Or in this case, my wife would inherit it the first time through. Yeah, yeah. estate tax free as well. But then upon her death, the maximum she would give away. Let's say she died the next day, as an example. Well, we'd have total estate of twenty million dollars. Ten million then would be subject to estate tax, roughly. Okay. Yeah. All right. What's next? <laughs> Interestingly, uh, the change in the law is is so significant that they only expect they ran some numbers uh, that the the anticipated number of of the state tax returns that will have to be filed going forward is very small, obviously, because the exclusion is very high. They only expect about between two and 4,000 um, estate tax returns will be filed for 2013. So not a lot of these going around, which is interesting. Um, 
the other thing with regard to portability, um, or rather with the, the federal estate tax exemption, that specifically in, in Washington State, um, that number has not changed. So the state, the Washington State estate tax, is still at two million dollars. In other words, it's not did not doesn't automatically step up to the, the ten million like the federal estate tax. So it's still subject. If you live here in Washington, you still have to deal with the, the state estate tax. I see. And that's another good reason if you're, you're up among those levels in terms of assets, you know, two million or more, or expect to be in that uh, level or above at death, um, you still would want to use, you know, potentially the uh, the decedent AB trust situation for that reason as well. Oh, I see. To make sure you use it because it also is not portable at the state level. I see. So some unique things going on there that uh, make planning uh, probably as important as ever, in my guess, in, in my view. Good. Yeah. Um, those are the main points of the new law, basically. I think that'll be recovered today, but um, good stuff to know. That is good stuff, Ethan. Yeah. All right, well, um, do you want to talk about this real estate? In sure. The, okay. Um so we were at uh, we were doing a presentation recently, and you were talking about your strategy of examining a person's tax situation each year and as they're leading into retirement, and looking for during that period looking for opportunities to convert assets from a traditional IRA account to a Roth IRA, uh-huh. uh, and how powerful that can be as an additional wealth building tool during right. your retirement throughout the course of your lifetime, really. Sure, but uh, particularly. You ran the analysis through retirement. Well, during that that presentation, someone had asked about purchasing uh, real estate within an IRA, which is really not something we do a whole whole lot of, um, right? For a variety of reasons. So, one of our guys forwarded me this article that just recently appeared a couple days ago: How to buy real estate in an IRA? Buying property with a retirement account can cut your tax bill. And this is from off the Market Watch page. Um, and it's uh, April 2nd on a market watch by Ava Rosenberg. And she says, uh, imagine if you could invest $100,000 in a piece of real estate today and it sells 20 years from now for nearly $400,000 without paying a dime in taxes. If you could buy that real estate with funds held in a Roth IRA, um, that could happen. And if the proceeds were drawn out ju- judiciously, you could even get the same result with funds held in a regular IRA. Hmm. Um, so, first of all, though, if you bought anything in your Roth or uh, IRA and you invest a hundred thousand, you put it in the Ethan Broga Special Fund, um, and it grew to be four hundred thousand, you could pull it all out tax free. There's nothing special about owning it as a piece of real estate. Oh, that's true. Given twenty years, that seems you know, yeah. I agree with that. Nothing's every what the rule of seventy two every um, uh, would take the rate of return seventy two divided by the rate of return. That's the frequency in which the, the your money would double. Mm-hmm. So if you were getting ten percent, that's about every seven point two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that uh, single family homes are going at at ten percent a year. Right. Um, historically, they haven't, but. Uh, can you really do this? Well, to get some solid answers, Tax Mama brainstormed. I don't know what that means. Tax Mama brainstormed with Mark uh, Lacombe, a CPA and attorney who is principal. Uh, yes, you can buy real estate in your IRA, your Roth IRA, or other retirement account, but it isn't easy. 
In fact, it is quite complicated, and you'll face many issues that might invalidate your IRA-based investment. Here are some of the obstacles you must overcome. You must establish a self-directed IRA, a Roth or regular, uh, which may mean setting up a limited liability company or other entity to hold the assets. Not really clear what that has to do with setting up that, right? Because clearly you'd need to set up an IRA in order to invest in real estate in the IRA. But I don't know what the, why, why the connection which says, which may mean setting up an LLC, uh, has to do with that. Uh, he explains that you must find a plan administrator willing to allow you to use your IRA funds to buy real estate. The administrator will generally follow strict due diligence rules. Once you find the property you want, you'll need to convince the administrator that this is this is a good investment for the IRA to own. Be careful, and he goes on to say, if you pick an administrator that happens to be selling real estate, they might try to peddle you some of their inventory, so try to find somebody that will hold the IRA and allow you to own real estate within in that IRA without being a having some hidden agenda of being your real estate agent, I guess. Uh, next, roll your retirement funds to this new retirement account. Two things you need to know. Number one, the more money you have, the better off the self-directed program will be. We're talking about at least $100,000 or more, unless, of course, you live in an area where you can buy rental property for thirty dollars or $40,000. Find a property that will both appreciate in value and generate enough cash flow to cover all costs without your needing cash infusions annually. Just a little point of clarification. I would be doing that whether it was in an IRA or not. I agree you know, 100%. What buying it in an IRA has to do with finding a property that should appreciate. Right. Or, um, or cover ca- cover the cash flow without needing cash infusions. <laughs> now, if, I think part of the issue on that with the cash infusion that isn't clear or that they're missing and will continue on through this would be if you only had 100000 in the IRA and that's all you could ever put you were ever going to put in, for example, and you need to put more money into the property, how can you do it without triggering a tax issue if this is an investment in your IRA, right? Mm-hmm. So if you had a, if you could theoretically invest in, a, in an asset or like we're buying stocks and bonds and those securities had the ability to go, hey, either we need more money um, that would be a problem if you've already maxed out your IRA for the year. Sure, you couldn't put more money in to do that, so right. that could put you in a weird, in, a, in an unsavory place. Ethan. I would agree with that. Number two, if you don't have enough money to buy a self-supporting property, you may need to set up a new retirement account so that you can contribute more than the five thousand or so per year that an IRA would allow. Now, how would you do that, Ethan? Folks in the business have some options: SEP IRAs or solo four hundred one k accounts. Those accounts will allow you to contribute up to about $51,000 per year, depending on your profits. Remember these days, solo 401ks have Roth components, too. Consider taking advantage of them. I mean, if you don't aren't self-employed, I don't know how you'd do that. Yeah, they're missing. They're not being clear enough. That's why I guess it's good for us to read the, through these articles, because I think if I didn't wasn't really into this business, yeah, a lot of the things they've already said, are they need clarification so that you're already not getting off the wrong track. You can't just run around opening a SEP IRA or a solo 401k right. if you don't if you're not self-employed. Exactly right. If you are self-employed, there are still things to consider. You certainly wouldn't just do that um, 
for the sole purpose of buying a piece of real estate. You would be doing it for the benefits or the advantages of setting up that type of retirement plan. Yeah. And you would definitely want to consult with your tax person, and if you had an advisor, them as well. I'd agree. Uh, it shouldn't be done as a scheme to buy real estate. That that really would be very, very secondary to, to in my view. Um. Potentially, when there are already some tax benefits of purchasing real estate that you don't need in a retire an IRA to get take sure. advantage of, you get de- depreciation, right? Yeah, and all those other things that go along with that. I agree. So, um, while it's true, if you are self-employed and you should be considering other types, and you have extra cash flow, particularly, you should be looking at all the retirement options to, to defer how you should defer or put money into retirement accounts. Regarding a Roth versus regular retirement account, which way should you go? Well, when you're moving funds from a tax-deferred retirement account to any kind of Roth, all the taxes must be paid uh, for the year of the conversion. So again, he didn't set it up as a conversion. He just immediately is talking about a conversion. Um, I don't know, again, what, what that has to do with the real estate aspect of this article, but Take into account how much money you're going to lose right up front without any special programs in place, allowing you to spread your tax payments over two or four years. By the way, are there any current special programs in place for that, Ethan? <laughs> no, not that I'm aware. They had a one-time rule in 2010 that allowed you to spread over 2011 and 12, but that is only a one-time deal. It's it's over now. One time? Okay, so there are no special programs that I'm aware of. Is that is that um, if you happen to be a large political contributor, you get some special programs? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Depending on your tax bracket and the amount of the conversion, expect expect to pay thirty three to thirty five percent federal taxes. Well, I mean, there's more than two tax brackets, so I'm not sure where they get that exactly. Well, isn't your entire presentation based around um, the fact that it still may make sense to do it at thirty three thirty five, but there are Certain individuals who can do it at zero or even fifteen or twenty-five, twenty, right? Twenty-eight, sure. Um, so I'm not clear where they would jump immediately to expect to pay that thirty. That seems completely arbitrary. It does if you? I mean, um, if you already have income above, uh, you know, the four hundred fifty thousand dollar level, say, say if you're filing jointly, then you would automatically be in the thirty-five percent level. But I doubt that you're concerned with that. In other words, you'd just be buying real estate outside of this whole environment if you have that type of income. Well, Ethan, we're going to have to take a break, but I'm really enjoying this discussion, this article. So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about buying uh, how to buy real estate in an IRA that was on uh, the uh, MarketWatch webpage here. All right. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. 
Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, we're back at Pyrical Investing Radio. Um, this is our third segment of the day, and we're just going through an article that we saw on the uh, Market Watch website talking about purchasing real estate in IRA accounts. And uh, can I, yeah, I'm with you on a couple of these things. Um, I'm not sure where they're going with, with some of the statements here, but um, perhaps we can slog through this. Yeah, we're just slogging. Through, yeah, I like your term. They're slogging through the article, and then we're trying to clarify a few things. Trying to. And uh, where we were, were we living off, somehow he jumped or she jumped to, um, because he, Eva is, is interviewing the CPA uh, guy here, Mark, and he jumps into regarding Roth versus regular. There's a little, I guess maybe that's just a little takeaway. But he was saying how, well, depending on your tax bracket and the amount of conversion, expect to pay 33 to 35 in federal tax plus your state taxes. And it says this may be a waste of money. Um, and so, uh, only thing I would say if you're reading articles like this is just understanding that there's a lot more that goes into that. It may not be a waste of money. Even if you pay 33, it may not be a waste of money. Um, on the other hand, if you're setting the self-employed retirement account up in the first place, you can establish it as a Roth-type account. It may take you a few years to build up enough funds to buy a property, but buying real estate in a Roth account means all the assets in the account will be totally tax-free when you retire. Well, the same rule could apply, right, Ethan? Yeah, if you buy other assets in your Roth, guess what? It's also tax-free. So if you bought stocks and bonds, 20 years later, it's quadrupled in size. It's still tax-free there, too. And his point, just the previous sentence, was about if you had to pay 33 to 35%, it might be a total waste of money. But you still pay the tax. Conversion is one way of getting money into a Roth and paying tax. But the other way is just when you're contributing to a Roth versus getting the deduction right. on a pre-tax, you're, there's a there's a tax rate there, right? There's it's just, it's a very similar exercise. Should I put into a Roth or should I put into yeah. a pre-tax? Sure. Well, I'm currently in a 33 or 35 percent bracket. Which one? Should, it's just it's a very similar mm-hmm. analysis. So it's not an automatic that you would just do a Roth because maybe if you're in the 39 percent tax bracket and you know when you're going to retire and Five years from now, you're going to be in a 15% bracket. Maybe you wouldn't do it. Right. I agree with that 100%. Okay. Of course, if you know that you, your spouse, or your dependent will be facing high medical expenses upon retirement, a regular IRA is just fine. You'll be able to offset draws from the IRA with your medical expenses. It takes some planning. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we're getting away from the real estate project, but we're going to get these are some interesting. Boy, you're throwing a lot of different stuff there. 
I guess that's true. Uh, I mean, so what it, oddly placed. Do you do you have any uh, information about the medical? Well, if you know you're going to have high medical expenses in retirement, I mean, geez, if you can save for save in a in a, in a a health savings account or something like that. So the expenses are specifically for that. So the withdrawals aren't taxed. All right. You know, if you know you're going to have high expenses for medical upon retirement, I mean, relying on your IRA for that expense may not be the best thing, although you can help. It'll help offset some of the money, the tax due on money coming out. What you're saying is you're If you're getting, planning for it, put it in a health yeah. savings account and have it be tax-free. How about that? You're getting... Thank you very much. Oh, boy. You're, I don't know. You're getting um, the deduction, you're saying, on these medical expenses in some way, and it's just offsetting the taxable income you've created from your pulling out of your your uh, traditional IRA. Yeah, it could reduce, but now the medical expenses are subject to the 7.5% floor if they're itemized, which means the more you take out, the less is, the less is actually deducted. Well, I would like you to put in your tickler file, Ethan. All right. Um, two things. Let's, let's look into this uh, strategy of using medical expenses in IRA kind of thing he's talking about mm-hmm. I would like to I would like to get more detailed about what what exactly how that looks so if you're saying hey I, I never I I don't believe we've been using that as a planning tool to go hey well, if we're gonna pick a Roth or traditional in right. your analysis I didn't know you were saying well it all depends on whether we're gonna have medical expenses no there. no usually in my analysis when we're talking about Roth conversions and things if if I know for example uh, last year if you end up paying say fifteen thousand dollars in medical expenses well, that's an itemized deduction, right, in the year in which it occurs. So it will reduce your taxable income, meaning that you can conceivably convert a little more from the Roth IRA than you, you normally would if you know that you have the expense. So it, it's helpful, but the more you draw from the IRA, the less valuable that deduction is because your income rates go up a bit. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a... Well, I have a series of follow-up questions. So let's, like I said, it, put it in your ticket. This right? article is more about how many things can you do with, an, with a Roth or a traditional IRA. Rather okay. than just buying real estate, it looks like to me. Well, I think we're going to get to the real estate again here in a second. Okay, good. Uh, where was I? Okay, on the other hand, if you're setting this up, uh, you can establish it as a Roth type. Okay, but but buying real estate in Roth means all assets in the account will be totally tax-free. Um, sorry, let me go to page two. What kind of property can you buy in your retirement account? Here we go. This should be good. Brace yourself. Oh. I'm having a little internet problem here. I can't get to page two. Um, I, I noticed our, our internet signal in this part of the building is a little bit, uh, a little bit weak. I don't know. Simon gets paid a, a lot of money to handle this stuff, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to do something. <laughs> Mine's spinning as well here. Maybe we can segue to something else. Well, this is uh, well refreshing. The time. Oh, okay, so. Well, or we can just continue to come out. I found it, though. It works. Right. Uh, it says, can, says, can you... Um, no, went back to page one. Let's talk about something else. Either. You got it. So I was coming... We're going to switch gears here for, for a second. A little technical difficulty. Luckily, I have another topic on hand we can discuss. I think it's pretty interesting. Oh, uh, wait. I got it. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't steal my thunder. It, dude. Okay. All right, we'll go ahead. Maybe we'll get to it in the last segment then. Okay, you may only buy a property that neither you nor your business ever use. In fact, you can't you can't rent the property to any related parties either. Family members, businesses owned by your business and so on. Uh, Luce Combe says to be very careful about this. If at any time in the life of the self-directed account, 
you rent to a related party, the retirement account will lose its tax-exempt status. Speaking of not being tax-exempt, here's a concept you'll hate, unrelated business taxable income. Uh-huh. Now, how does this come into play when your retirement account invests in real estate? The retirement account is a tax-deferred, tax-exempt account. As long as it owns funds, as long as its own funds are used for the investments, you'll have no problem. But when when you borrow money, think of mortgages, the earnings on that part of the property are no longer tax exempt. Say you have two hundred thousand dollars in your IRA, Ethan. Mm-hmm. You reserve seventy five thousand of those funds to cover operations and contingencies. One hundred twenty five thousand is used as a fifty percent payment on the property. Borrowing one hundred twenty five thousand as a mortgage. Suppose you collect twenty five thousand dollars in rent. Half of that money, twelve thousand five is allocated to the mortgage part of the property after deducting interest operating expenses. Suppose that suppose that mortgage half of the property shows a profit of $5,000. you will be paying taxes on those profits each year as long as there is a mortgage. See, does that make sense to you? Well, it makes sense. Bottom line, if you take a mortgage on the property that you've purchased inside your IRA, you'll pay tax on some portion of that, on some portion of the growth, basically, right? That's right. Year to year, which kind of defeats the purpose of buying it in the tax-deferred IRA. Isn't that what you wanted to avoid in the first place? Right. Is buy it, you know what I mean? It gets pretty sticky with all of this. So if you switch over and say, hey, to keep it simple, I'll just be paying cash, then you need to make sure you have, as he was saying, enough cash to cover um, those expenses. Because what if you buy the property, you're starting to collect rent, and mm-hmm. then a, a, a renter um, stiffs you on the rent. So now you're carrying that. And then... They damage the place before they leave, and now you've got to put in $25,000 to get it back up and running. Mm-hmm. But you don't have any more money in your IRA because you used it all. Yeah, what do you do? Well, that's where you're going to have a problem because now you're going to have to it'll, – it'll become unrelated uh, business income. So the next thing is, well, um, whether – he researched whether or not you can lend money to your retirement account and found that – you may only do so if the loan can be secured by the equity in the property. The amount of equity must be established by an objective third party to ensure that you are not lending enough money to account uh, to the account so that your mortgage brings the total debt to an amount higher than the property's value. You know the famous upside-down mortgage, Ethan? Yeah, the famous <laughs> upside-down mortgage. Uh What's the best kind of property to buy? So there's a whole rat's nest of stuff just in those last couple of paragraphs. Yeah, sure. You want to make sure you this concept of unrelated business income and using debt, but also having to contribute more money or lend it to your IRA so that you can do what you got to do. Um, I don't know. It's a lot of effort for a very historically low returning asset class, particularly again if you're if you're eliminating leverage and the fact that you can deduct right the um, the interest payment on top of it. And here we're only talking about business property. It can't be person property, it sounds like, right? It can't be a single, like you live in a single family home that you purchase in your IRA. No, you can't You can't be involved. You can't rent yeah. it. It has to be business property yeah. only. You're going to buy a property and then rent, rent it, it out. out. Yeah. Exclusively. This is what's the best kind. Find a property with a re- re- reliable long-term tenant. For instance, look at s- small strip malls, Ethan. Two-star <laughs> commercial properties. <laughs> when would you ever not look for that? Uh, with a solid good tenant, advice. look for uh, triple net leases where the tenant pays or splits all the insurance, property taxes, and maintenance on the property. All you pay is the mortgage, if any, and and perhaps some backup insurance. 
Another consideration for self-directed retirement accounts holding real estate is that someone must manage the property or properties. If you're not a, if you're not good at asking people to pay up, pony up, or don't like to be bothered in the middle of the night with a call about bursting pipes, or calls from police about belligerent tenants dealing drugs in your property. If, if you don't, if that's not for you, Ethan, you're barking up the wrong tree here. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, if that is for you, this might be what you're looking for. Uh, Maybe. You will need a management company, which means the cash flow from the property needs to be high enough to pay the management company's fee. Property managements tend to receive approximately 10% of the gross rents. They also get a fee for signing up. So he kind of explains that. Um, how much time we got here? Uh, incidentally, you definitely want checkbook control of the account. You don't want to have uh, to contact the administrator every time you need to cut a check. That would eat up time and add to the fees. Also note that self-directed accounts can hold IPO-type stock, patents, copyrights, and so forth, as long as they are not your own creations. Uh, If you have an author friend in whom you have perfect faith, say you can buy up all or part of his book's copyright in your self-directed account. If the book becomes a bestseller, even if it, even only... (laughs) If it's an internet bestseller, that five thousand investment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that. That was great. Um, <laughs> it could be worth a hundred thousand dollars before. Well, here's my advice, Ethan. Well, let's cut to that. I wouldn't be buying. Um, ex- I mean, there's one. Oh, we're gonna run out of time, but I want to. I want to. I want to talk about this. We got ten seconds. Um, yeah, when we get back, I want to explain the difference between putting more aggressive, higher growth um, investments in things like IRAs and putting your gambling in an IRA. You know, why not just buy lottery tickets with your IRA? We'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about that. All right. Bye. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. 
All right, we're back at Bureau Investing Radio. Um, we're, we're slogging through here. It's the last segment of the day. Um, I think we have about nine minutes, and we're just finishing up an article, again, that we were uh, reviewing from MarketWatch um, about putting real estate in your, your IRA accounts, whether it be a, a Roth or, or a tax-deferred IRA. So, Ken, I think it's some final thoughts here, some closing comments for us. Wrap this up. Put a bow on it. All right. Well, I think um, my my advice would be that that a lot of these – I saw a lot of the local uh, banking companies um, – sorry, I lost my little fuzzy thing off my microphone here um, – during the when, – when, the, when real estate was, was booming – and and people were a little disenchanted with the stock market coming out of the technology bubble or collapse, right? Mm-hmm. The market decline. People were couldn't couldn't wait to pull their money out of the market. Some people, not everybody. Um, certainly, we weren't recommending that, but people couldn't wait to buy real estate. And one of the things that became very popular. There was a local bank um, that was running all kinds of advertisement about, hey, we'll help you set up. Um, an IRA account that you can buy real estate will act as the administrator, the custodian. I don't want to mention the name, but we can talk about it after if you want. But they were all over the place, commercials and all this kind of stuff. And I was saying, hey, um, you know, it's great while real estate is going up. You brought a point up during the break. It's just what happens if, if you actually lose money on the deal? Can you write it off? Because if you had a capital asset in a taxable account, you can certainly use it as a capital loss carry forward. You can get a certain amount each year that's ordinary income right off, and then the other part gets carried forward. Mm-hmm. Pretty much indefinitely that so, you can use to offset other gains and things, but you can't do that if you have a loss in an IRA. Right. So if you get, have a capital loss in a, in a non-IRA account, you actually get to deduct that capital loss to reduce future capital gains. That's right. In short. That's right. And you know I, what I was saying was he was talking about buying patents and all this kind of stuff in the article um, that you can do with your. And certainly, if you had a, a sure thing, right? I mean, what I'd want to do with my Roth IRA, if I could, if they existed, and I had the the ability to foresee the futures, I would have loaded it up with as much Microsoft stock when it came out as I could have. That would have been the smartest move I could, you know. Yeah. Now you've got it, it all in a Roth account. Well, who wouldn't want to do that? I would want that. Would you want that? I think I want well, that. Well, I would love to. I would love that. But putting money into your friend's copyright on a book or whatever is even more i mean we would say hey that's not a great idea even knowing that there are microsofts that 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 story will happen that's how the mark work market works it's just not a great idea to do with your retirement savings it's better to diversify and yes you will likely receive a return that's lower than the the you know superstar stories of a few companies that do thousands of percent returns right that's just the nature of how the market works. Certain companies will do phenomenally well, uh, while other companies will struggle, and some will, will, will actually lose money and go out of business. But the average, the way the market works, you should generate some return over a, a risk-free investment asset. And on a whole, the market, given enough time, has done a pretty good job of that. And so it, it's done a great job of that in, in building wealth ahead of, and staying ahead of inflation on top of it by taking a diversified strategy over, a, again, a longer period of time. So where we take a look at in terms of at what we would call asset placement, saying, hey, we're going to put specific types of investments in IRA accounts or the way that different accounts have different tax treatments. And we say, if we knew something was going to grow at a faster rate, uh, we'll put it in a Roth because we do want that to become a bigger bucket 
Right. Right. We're getting a, a, a free tax. We're getting. We're taking advantage of that tax-free status to have more wealth. But the way we're doing it is more empirical, a little more scientific, and saying, well, we've had a hundred percent of the twenty-year periods of time uh, where stocks, diversified basket of stocks like the S and P five hundred, for example, mm-hmm. have outperformed buying just treasury bills. Um, now, how, what is the percentage of time that you go out to your neighbor and you buy his his copyright on the book he wrote uh, pays off and beats <laughs> treasury bill? Well, that's a little bit less right hard to get that data, and and clearly it's highly speculative. I would way. say, hey, would we lottery tickets can have an enormous payoff? Right. You, I know you're an active participant. You were just was it three hundred and forty million dollars or something? Something like the that. Last, the one that got For the won. mega ball or something. I don't know. It's a huge payoff. Should I should I take my Roth IRA and take every all if I had a hundred thousand in it and spend it all on those because they have the highest payoff? Well, no, because the the odds of you winning, you're actually going now the opposite direction where you have you know, a negative expected return because of that low probability of winning, right? And you're ruining an otherwise very tax beneficial vehicle. Mm-hmm. So that's not. There's a difference between speculating and gambling in that account, and saying, "Hey, how can I strict this?" Well, I'm taking a diversified equity portfolio and putting that in my Roth, and maybe I'm weighting more conservative investments like my fixed income, my bonds and treasuries and things like that. I'm putting those in in less tax efficient accounts like taxable accounts or traditional IRAs, which I'm going to be taxed on withdrawal. So I don't want it. I, I would rather have it grow. At, you know. Less than my Roth IRA, if all things being the same, I'm still going to have the same portfolio. Yeah, same allocation. I'm just dividing it up a little differently. Right. Uh, I don't really know what we're all trying to achieve here with this with this real estate game again, because I think to have the freedom and the flexibility, if you're going to go down that path, most people, if they started investing in rental properties and commercial, he's talking about strip malls and stuff. Uh, it, it's something that I think you should be doing as a business, not a passive investment. And once it's a business, that's why they have that rule about unrelated business income. It's really not intended to be in, used in, in, inside of an IRA account, which is more of a, sa- a savings vehicle for retirement that has some tax preference. It should be something that, mm-hmm. you know, They've designed it where we can't we can't put our business empirical inside our our IRA and say hey we're running now we can open shares and there's ways of like you were saying putting restricted stock and things like that but you can't be involved with them it's hard when we own it right yeah and there's a reason for that mm-hmm. which we don't have time to get into um, so all I'm saying is if you're going to go down that path of buying these properties rather than fooling around and worrying too much about putting it in my IRA to get it on one property likely. Unless you've got millions and millions of dollars that you figured out how to get into a Roth or something, and now you could run it as a and navigate through all that stuff, um, I would be more focused on, hey, do I want to be in the business of real estate? Because you're venturing that way, and all the all the administrative work that you're going to have to do to track all this. Yeah, I think the person. I think you're right. I think the person who this probably is most suited for is the person who has lots and lots of money in an IRA account. But even then, I'm not sure I'd do it because if you're, say, you're 60 years old and you actually were able to put away by that time two or three million dollars in an IRA account, um, you're buying different real estate properties, rental properties. You know, by the time you hit 70 again, that IRA account, if it's invested in real estate, will be worth more than it is at, at, at 60, right? And you'll have, to, you'll have to face the required minimum distributions and other things. 
And what tax rate do you think you're going to be paying at that point with an IRA worth, say, five, six million dollars by age 70? You're going to be a pretty, pretty hefty amount of tax. You'll be in a pretty high tax bracket at that point. So I'm not sure it's good for folks who have little, little money in IRAs or people who have a lot of money in IRAs. Well, and if you weren't prepared to sell the property, then how do you take a required minimum distribution uh, out of properties? I'm not sure how that works. It's not very liquid, right? I'm assuming you'd have to sell the property. Yeah, it's not liquid. No. So I I don't know. A lot of problems, I think, in my view. Yeah, it's a big, uh, it's, it's a big, uh, rat's nest. Rat's nest. That's what I think. Yeah, I I wouldn't want to get involved in it. The many other points he makes as we went through, you know, I, I, I think we made our point that you'd want to None of the things that he's talking about I would really do as a, as a result of wanting to get involved with real estate in my IRA, like putting into a SEP or yeah. all of that. Um, there are other reasons why you would want to do those things. I agree. Anything else? We only got a few seconds here. We got to got to move on. Well, no, but I think next show we definitely should lead off with uh, what I was wanting to talk about. Well, what was it? Give us a little preface. Taxes, which was a way to pay zero capital gains tax. Zero. Zero. That's where I'd put my Long-term energy. capital gains tax. Okay. Zero. How does that sound? Well, next week we'll talk about All right. I think we All should. Right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Empirical Investing Radio. We'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. 